0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Hallelujah. To lift your hands and ask the Lord to speak to you today. Would you do that? Lord, we ask you to speak to us today. your hand be upon our life, oh God pray your spirit would be upon our life oh god in the name of jesus we pray amen thank you praise team praise the lord everybody happy labor day weekend i hope you will enjoy this this afternoon and your day tomorrow with your family hopefully you've got good plans to spend some good time with those that you love amen the book of romans chapter 2 reading with verse 1 I feel like the Lord is given me a word for our church. I think that to understand God is to understand all of who He is. And I want to know Him. And uh, I don't want to misconstrue the Scripture to make it sound a way that it's not. and I only take segments. I don't want to be like the king that took a penknife and cut out the verses that convicted him throw them in the fire. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Before we we open the word and read the word, I do want to say that we want to pray for brother and sister Powell and their grandson, uh, mother and father, Carolyn, and uh, their grandson at 35 years passed away yesterday and 35 years old. We want to pray for them that God would be. I know your heart is broken. Also, um, Brother Mark Melick Pastor and Sister Brenda, that that was a faithful saint, tended here most Sunday nights pre-COVID, uh, unexpectedly passed away. Uh, was it yesterday or two days ago? Two days ago. As well on Friday, Sister Wendy Gators' mother unexpectedly passed away, and we're so sorry what you're going through. I know you loved your mother, talked to her three times a day, and we're praying for you. And we will get the information on these things to the whole body so you can be a strength and comfort words and prayer to the families and uh, when those service times will be and so forth and so on. And so uh, I think it'd be okay if we let our Bibles down and prayed for these here that are dealing with a loss. We ask you, oh God, today, To move and help and comfort Lord these families Sister Wendy Brother Nehemiah Lord that your hand would be upon them and strengthen them. Brother Melik and Sister Brenda's family Sister Rhonda oh God touch her today great friends to them Lord I pray today for the pals their family that they would be comforted strengthened during this time of loss of Jason In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can everybody say amen? You know, there are seasons like this in our life. We go through things. But we believe that you can go through it, not just stay at it. And so Wednesday night starts the series for four weeks. Sister Annie Brown and I will be sitting up here uh, in conversation and talking about the journey through grief. If you know anyone that's had loss, uh, I've seen people stop living that are alive because they lost a loved one. They don't know how to get through it. But the Bible talks about the wisdom of the scripture. Jesus was anointed to do what? To bring healing to those that are bruised. That's people bleeding on the inside. How many's ever been there bleeding on the inside? You need some help to get through that. And so we believe through the power of his word, God's gonna bring healing to every broken-hearted person dealing with grief and loss. And uh, if you can't come, you can watch by way of the web. And, and uh, we believe for those four weeks, God's gonna do something mighty. Following that, I'm gonna teach on a session. Those four weeks, I'm gonna teach on a session called Blended Families. How to exist wonderfully and can have a blessed blended family. And uh, I think God's gonna help us. Can you say amen? amen. Well, I, I know that's sad news, but the Lord's still good. And we come to praise Him today because He's still good. I'm believe God is still good man. Romans, Romans chapter 2 verse 1, therefore thou art inexcusable old man. Look at your neighbor and say old man. How many say that sometimes? Just old man. How many say that? What's in the Bible? There it is. Whosoever thou art that judgest for wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. He said, it's not good enough to judge somebody just because you know it's wrong. He said, you gotta make sure you're living the life as well. How many know that's true? But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. There is sin. The wages of sin is death. The judgment of God is gonna go to people that do these things. What things? Romans 1. Romans chapter 2 verse 1 could have been Romans chapter 1 verse 33. It's a continuance of thought. What things? And it lists all those terrible sins, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, and without natural affection. And goes down and lists these things. But verse 3 says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Just because you're condemning somebody that's doing it doesn't mean it's gonna give you permission to escape the judgment of it yourself. Verse four, and this, this is one of my favorite verses, but it's convicting. Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering. Longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He said, all the good that God's done for you while you were doing wrong. Wrong. Still living wrong. And God was still good. Why? Long suffering. Forbearance. Why? To lead you to repentance. I mean, know when we were wrong he was still good? And he said, but you despise the goodness of God. Walked all over his grace and mercy. Continue to do what you know is wrong. Verse 5 though says, But after thy the hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, your heart becomes hardened toward it. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Look at your neighbor and say, that's scary. I know in our Bible reading, we want to jump on the trampoline at the goodness of God and jump jump to some verse down there that says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, or whosoever believe in the heart that God has raised from from the dead shall be saved. Sometimes I think we jump over verses that bother us when we got to take it all in the context and the way it was written. He says, who will render to every man according to his deeds? To them who by patient countenance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. He said, there are those who seek to do well and eternal life. Verse eight, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. What's coming? What is it? I didn't write it. But he said indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also to the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good. Look at your neighbors say, do good, do right. It says to the Jew first and also to the Greek, verse 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. He's not going to look at this one over here and say, well, you were bad, but I like you a little more than I do the other guy, so come on in. Not going to do that way. There's one measuring stick. There's one measure. Doesn't matter what family you're born into. This doctrine says what matters, what family you're born into, according to how God's going to love on you. That's not true. Doesn't matter what family you're born into, good or bad, you can have mercy, grace, repentance, and a change of life because of his word. Somebody say his word. How many believe his word can save us? Amen. amen. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We can't be saved without his word. I'm gonna tell you what we need. We need a good old fashioned baptism of the love of God and the love of his word. How many want his word in your life? Clap your hands and praise him for his word. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. I'd like to preach to you, even teach you from the word of the Lord about how to deal with the wrath of God. And if I could subtitle today, it would be simply when God tells the preacher to leave you alone. When God tells the preacher to leave you alone. It was was very, very apparent that God, when he made Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, that he made them in his image. He made them in his likeness. God wanted a relationship with them. So much so that it calls Adam the son of God. How many believe we have a relationship with God that we can say our father which art in heaven? We can call him Abba Father climb up on his lap, up on his throne and say, I love you, daddy. The goodness of God is that way. Amen. We are heirs of the throne of grace. I am spoiled. And when I say this, it's not a cliche. When I tell you that he's been better to me than I ever imagined, that's a fact. When I gave my life to the Lord, I never dreamt it would be this amazing. The goodness of God, the riches of God, Of his grace. Amen. Has God been good to anybody else in the building? He's been good to me. He's blessed me. But God looked at Adam and Eve in the garden and he said to them, he said, this is all yours. I've given you dominion over everything here. You can have whatever you want. Just don't touch that tree. Don't partake of it. The day you do, you're gonna die. And that old devil lured them in in his way he does. And the fallen angel, that old serpent, revelation calls him and lures them in and convinces them to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And oh, the, God's just trying to, watch what he says. He says, well, you not really die. It's amazing how the devil always works. He gets you to question what God has said. You're not really going to die. And he's just keeping that from you. And the reason he's preaching that is because he's trying to keep you from something better. You'll be wise as the gods. Deception comes right in and convinces them to take of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, when they do, they, what happens? Sin moves into their members, sin moved into the earth, and they were separated from the presence of God, and even the, the, the glory of God separated from that moment, because disobedience will always separate you from God. Now remind us today that God's love language is obedience. Amen. For some of you, your love language is, is affection. Acts of service. Words of validation. You love it when somebody says, you look so pretty. Oh boy, you look strong. I talked about it last week. You gotta have that. It's your love language. Some of you just like expensive gifts. Man, don't give me anything cheap, they said. Give me something good. Because I'm validated by the value of the gift. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. For some, it's you know, acts of service. And uh, if you don't do this, then you don't love me. That's acts of service. But God's love language, how you have ever read the book Five Love Languages? It's a great book help your marriage and help every relationship in your life. But uh, it's very true. What the book, book is a truth. But God's love language is obedience. For he said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. It's very simple. God said, this is the way I have... I have thought for you, this is my law for you and I want you to obey my law. If you do, then guess what? I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my people and I'm gonna open up to you my good treasure. If you will live according to my word and if you will hearken unto my voice, I'm gonna do this for you. We gotta understand here today in the teaching of the word that God's not our servant. And we're not bossing him around and saying, if you don't do this, then I'm not gonna do this. It doesn't work that way. How I many know it doesn't work that way? He's the king and I'm in his kingdom. He's the shepherd and I'm his sheep. He's the father and I'm his son. And I am a son to him. Praise God. Everybody say obedience. And So the first law with commandment was what? Obey thy father and thy mother and thy day shall be long upon the earth. What was it saying? Keep my commandments and Live. But what happens is, is in our Adamic nature, our nature that's descended from Adam and Eve, it's in our nature to do our own thing. Don't wanna be told what to do. I had a guy I worked with one time, he was doing amazing, I met him in a a jail cell service, preached hope and grace and the mercy of God and deliverance and coming out and changing your life, and he was doing amazing, came down here and sat. I mean, the guy shaped up, he looked good, looked like a million bucks, but after a period of time, The surface in him, what was his problem was this. He said, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Don't even want the preacher telling me what to do. Don't even want God telling him what to do. The truth of the matter is, and what did he do? He walked out, got back, and his life's a mess today. Why? Because he had found the way of deliverance, but chose to do it his own way. Jesus had this principle for every follower. It was this. If ye come after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The foundation of Christianity and following of Christ is to be able to self-deny, to say no to yourself. Look at your neighbor and say no. Amen. We can do that to other people, but can you tell yourself no? Can 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 you receive a no from God? Can you receive a no from the pastor in your life? Can you say, hey, shouldn't be doing this. And because God's a love language, is for you to be obedient to him. How many believe it's true? And so you will see it all through scripture. If you will live according to my law, if you will live according to my word. And here's a part of Christianity we don't wanna accept. We think that uh, somewhere in the New Testament God just took on another personality, but it's not true, the nature of God. He said, I'm the Lord and I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that? And so the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. But we act like the God in the New Testament is just a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace, but he never gets angry anymore. He, he got older and wiser. He was grumpy in the Old Testament. He's, he's, got a new, uh, he's got a new normal. That's false doctrine. That's false doctrine. God is an emotional God. He said, I am a jealous God. And it troubles him when he has this beautiful life planned for you, but you choose the life that the devil has planned for you. You see, there's not 10 kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms and there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of this world. And the Bible says to love not the world nor the things that are in the world. How many know that? And he also wrote in the book of Romans, he said, come out from among, or he said, be not identified with this world or be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you come into the church, you're gonna think different, act different, look different, be different, go different. You put on the mind of Christ. You think the way he thinks, you become a son to him and not a son of this world. How many know there is a God of this world and we call him Satan? And so this the battle of the kingdom. It's, it's the battle of the world against the kingdom of God. And if we're not careful, we will look at this as just something going to church. I'm just going to church. I'm just That's where I go to church. Instead of I'm in a kingdom where God is the king and I'm following according to his commandment. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Where he goes, that's where I'm gonna go. He's the one leading me. I'm not leading myself. Somebody say Amen. When you begin to look at the parallels of Scripture, he is saying this in Romans chapter 2. He said, it's not good enough to know wrong. It's not good enough to judge people that do wrong. He said, you've got to live it yourself. He said, if you do not, you're going to deal with the indignation and the wrath of God. We think God doesn't get mad, but in the Old Testament, he got mad. Look what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. He punched it with a fireball. When he did, the deepest hole that you'll find cratered down that's now the Dead Sea. Entire city destroyed. Well, you think God wouldn't get mad? Look what he did at at Noah Noah's day. He flooded the entire earth. The entire earth was destroyed because their hearts and their imaginations were evil continually against him. I know we don't want to accept that part of scripture, but it's possible God could get angry with us. It's possible God can get angry with our nation. It's possible God could be angry with our our world. Do you believe that? Come on, we believe the Bible, it's in there. And he got so angry that he flooded the entire, with his indignation, he flooded the entire earth. And we think that we can just merely go the way we wanna go. Solomon began to write this, this, prayer in 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 it leads to the famous verse in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 but in 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 he begins to write this he said Lord we have built this beautiful edifice this temple this, this place we built it to your glory oh God you spoke to my father that he wouldn't be the one that would do it but it would be his son that would do it and here I am I have built this beautiful temple in honor and the glory of your name let me know this what he said The dedication prayer in 2 Chronicles 6. The dedication prayer of Solomon's temple. It was a wonder of the world. People would drive a thousand miles without a plane, a train, an automobile to get there to see its grandeur and beauty. It It was phenomenal. It was beautiful. But when he dedicated it to the Lord, it's amazing the prayer that he prayed. He said, let this place be a place where your name is. He said, so that when your people sin, and he puts in parentheses, because we've all sinned, you know what makes us common today is everybody in the building needs a Savior. Everybody in the building needed forgiveness. Every person under the sound of my voice had something you did that, was, that troubled you and, and, and bothered you. And you said, I don't want to do this anymore. Come on, can I get a witness for somebody that needed to be saved? Saved from what? He came to save us from our sins, our sins, which are the things that took us away from God. But when you look at Solomon's prayer, he said, God, if they sinned, And you send a pestilence upon them, a sickness, a disease. God, if they will come back to this place, lift their hands in this house and repent, I'm asking you to forgive them and remove the pestilence out of their life. God, if the people of God, if the people of God sin, they do wickedness against you, and you send an army upon them, oh God, I pray that if when they get to that desperate moment, they don't want to be in that mess anymore, if they will turn back to this place and lift their hands and repent, I'm asking you to forgive them. Oh, God, if you shut up the heavens and you cause it not to rain, he said, Lord, if they will repent, he said, oh, God, I'm asking you to forgive them and open the heavens back up. Remove the pestilence. Let the heavens, open. let blessing come on them again. Aren't you glad that somebody prayed a prayer that when you make a mistake, it's not over, but you can go back to him and get it right and you can be blessed? I haven't come to condemn you. I come to tell you there's a way out of the wrath of God. There's a way out of the indignation of the Lord. There's a way to get the curse removed from your life, and it's called repentance. I don't want to live that way no more. Amen. To understand the wrath of God is to understand parenting. How many know it's true? One wise man said one time, parent," he and said, he said, "Sometimes I could eat him up, and other times I wish I had." <laughs> Boy, they can, get your, they can get your blood boiling." I mean, that's true. You can get infuriated at times. Am I right or wrong? And and understanding parenting, why through disobedience—that's the thing that, that creates those things. And and but God is our Father. And the Bible says, that "In those whom He love, He chastises." And sometimes God allows things to happen in our life to get our attention. You want know to be the absence of the blessing of the love of God? It's if He let you be blessed all the way to hell, all the way into eternity. What, what, what if that's what he did that you just thought you were saved and that's where you went instead of stirring you, moving on you. But you know what God does? Because he loves us and when we start going the wrong way because I, I, you, you just can't get sin into heaven. He didn't come to save us from our trouble. He came to save us from our sin. He will save us from our sin. I'm gonna stay right here for a minute because I, I, your, your brains are going all over the place right now. Let me talk to you about this. God will send pestilence, dry up the heavens, send in, a, send in the battle, war. You, said, author, you don't believe that? Read the book of Judges. How many believe the word of God? Why? To turn their hearts back to him. He said, I will even let you go into captivity of another nation. I know right now we're thinking about America. I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about his people. And if we're not careful, we think we can just keep doing what we're doing and never have God to be angry with us. Saul was a man that, I'm stirred to the core today in my heart. But Saul was anointed of God, called of God, and and the people had wanted a king, so he gave him a king. The preacher, Samuel, the prophet, felt rejected. He said, Lord, they've rejected me. He said, they didn't reject you, they've rejected me. Why? Because they wanted a monarchy instead of a theocracy, which was God being the king and listen to a prophet. God's always spoken to his people through people. Prophets and prophetesses. Do you believe that? How can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except to be sent? God sends them because there's a purpose of the prophet. And what is it? It's to bring one thing, mercy, grace of God, repentance into your life. If you do not have a preacher, you do not have repentance. That's just the truth. Whether it's it's in in some country somewhere or right here in Zanesville, Ohio. God sends a word. And Saul was told by prophet Samuel, you know, the Lord told Saul, he told the kingdom. He said, I'm gonna allow you to have a king if you will live according to my word and you will hearken to the voice of Samuel. I mean, there was two things. Everybody hold up two fingers. Hearken to my law and listen to the voice of the prophet. And what happens is, is he starts thinking he's higher than the prophet because he's the king. He's got more, he's thinking more, and his goal began to please the people instead of God by hearkening to the word of the Lord. And what happened is when God said, remove, destroy all of the Amalekites, he didn't do it. He saved the best of the Amalekites. He saved the best of the sheep. And he told Samuel, he came back, oh, look, look how blessed we are. Oh, we had the victory just like you said. He said, why do I hear the lowing of the oxen and the bleeding of the sheep? Oh, well, I I did that to please the people, you know, the, the people and matter of fact, I kept those animals because that would be a great sacrifice to God. Hold on a minute. You're disobeying the voice of God disobeying the things of God to use it to please God. It makes no sense, but the truth of the matter is he was following his carnal mindset instead of his word from the Lord. And I'm gonna tell you what, we can't do it this this late in the game. We cannot get to a place that we trust our heart. I have people say, well, I know my heart, pastor. I know my heart. I'm, I'm okay. I know my heart. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? He warns in the last day, perilous times shall come. He, he goes on and says, the spirit speaks expressly, why? In the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine to devils. Doing what? Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And I come to you today because if we're not careful, all of those things the Holy Ghost said, don't listen to, don't watch that, don't have that conversation, don't go there. The Spirit of the Lord that was suppressing you against things that were coming to your life, it's not long until your heart becomes hardened, your conscience becomes seared, and now you can't discern what's right from wrong. And he warns in that day that there, in the church, in the church, people would, would depart from faith Giving heed to doctrines, feeling good about it. I come to preach to you today. We are too late in the game to become deceived. Too late in the game to be lost. Too late in the game to have our conscience seared. Can somebody say amen? I don't want to be deceived. And I preach to you, Jesus warns and he tells, he tells the young man, he tells the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, he says to him on this same, same narrative, he says to him, the rich young ruler comes in and he says to him, he said in, in verse 16 of Matthew 19, he says, um, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What, what, what thing should I do to have eternal life? And you know what the response was? He said, Keep the commandments. Everybody say, keep the commandments. Why? Because his love language is to obey his word. That's what Proverbs 4 says. That's what Proverbs 7 says. Keep thy commandments and what? Everybody say, live. Well, there's a quietness in the building right now. But there is the love language of God. And he responds to him with this. He said, uh, uh, keep the commandments. And he says, which, which commandments? He said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. He goes on, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up, from my youth to now I have kept those things. I have been methodical. I've been consistent. I was trained in this. I have known the, 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 the law and I have walked it. Can I tell you today that obeying the law of God is right, but it's not enough. Because he looks at the rich young ruler. He said, go sell all you have and get to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't need his money. Uh, uh, the poor could have used it, I'm sure. But the point was not for him just to get rid of things. The point was to see if not only could he obey his law, but could he obey his voice? Because he never intended this to be religious. He intended this for you to have access to him and you don't live according to him and not just by a book of laws and rules and things. He wanted you, listen, how many of you that have lived for God in a period of time that yes, you lived according to his word, but then God would tell you to do something else. Not against his word, but maybe to go on a fast. Maybe to go witness to somebody. Maybe to give sacrificially to a missionary. It was the voice of God and the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 28 he said I'm going to bless you going in and going out above. You'll be above and not beneath. All of those blessings but he said I need you to live according to my word and hearken unto my voice. I come to preach to you today. In the end time what's going to preserve you from the wrath of God is living according to his word and listening with your ear what the spirit is saying to the church in this hour. You've got to be opened it up moving the spirit the call of his spirit and what god is doing in this hour can't somebody say amen clap your hands and thank god for his voice hallelujah earlier this year let me give an example earlier this year we prayed for three months that god was sent a prophet of god did we not we fasted and prayed and sought God and Brother Bobby Wade came in with a sure word of prophecy and he started prophesying what the spirit was saying and what was it, clean out your houses, get things out of your life that aren't like God, do those things, not only living according to his law, but listen to what the relevant voice of God is in our day. I preach to you if you're not careful. You'll become comfortable with things that are an abomination before God. Things that God hates, you'll entertain yourself with. Things that God despises, you'll embrace as if it's okay. I come to tell you, there is a wrath of God that will come to this nation. There's a wrath of God that will come upon this world. There's a wrath of God that can come toward a people that disobey his word. But you don't have to die in the wrath. You don't have to be lost in the wrath. You can come out and there's one way repent of your sins turn from your way and he will grant you repentance he will grant you forgiveness he will grant you mercy somebody say amen god didn't call us god didn't call us just to preach pretty sermons and make people feel good about doing things that are wrong create doctrines to get us voted in in our in our in our in our mess and And listen, if we're not careful, we'll be like Saul that disobeyed the voice of God and the word of God over and over and over until the Bible says that God took his spirit from him. And when God removed his spirit from him because of his disobedience to God, guess what happened? An evil spirit came to him and he's miserable in his emotions. Even the wise men around him recognize that he's got an evil spirit and they call for an anointed worship leader by the name of King David that became the king. And when David would play his heart, guess what would happen? The evil spirit would leave him because the evil spirit can't be where the presence of God is. How many know that? Church isn't a place just where I come and the evil spirit drives away. And then after the the, the worship is over, I go back into the same sin and addictions and chaos and confusion. God didn't call us to go from Sunday to Sunday. God called us to have a place with him that you can walk away on Monday in the glory of his presence because your heart has been made renewed in him. Do you believe that today? And watch, watch what happens to Saul. I, what I don't want is that we become a church that can just comfort the moment. But oh man, when somebody comes in and they're bound by sin, they can come in and say, I don't have to live this way anymore. I'm running to the cross. God's gonna change my heart. He's gonna change my mind. He's gonna change my, I'm telling you, you don't have to walk out a sinner. You can walk out born again. You can walk out renewed. You can walk out holy and pure. Come on, I want you to lift your hands right now across the building and say, Almighty God. I wanna hear what your spirit is saying to my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. It's interesting because, come here, Brother Tyler. Samuel keeps returning to Saul. Come on, Saul, repent. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Next thing you know, he does it again, does it again, decides to do his own thing because he wants to please the people. And there's a moment, there was a moment, I'm going to be Saul, you're going to be the prophet. You're going to be the prophet Samuel. There's a moment that God told Samuel, leave him alone. I'm done. I'm going to raise up somebody better than him to sit on that throne. And that's what he was talking about in Romans chapter 2. You despise the goodness of God and the mercy of the Lord and the good things of God. You say, this is heavy, Pastor. We got to hear it. Can't live one way on Sunday, another way on Tuesday and if we're not careful, to understand that, the, that, that God, the things he will do to get our attention. I'll never forget James. Just stand right there. I'll never forget James that knocked on our door 11 o'clock at night. And he'd walked away from the Lord and he was raised in this. He knew how to live right, but chose the world over the kingdom of God. And I'll never forget being a teenage boy at home. I got a knock on the door and and at 11 o'clock at night I went to the door and James was standing there. I used to hang kitchen cabinets with him. I knew him well, but he didn't say hi, Aaron. He was desperate. And this is what he said. Where's your dad? My dad's the pastor. Where's your daddy? I said, hold on, I'll go get him. I could tell something was wrong. I rushed in there. Dad, I said, James is at the door. He seems pretty upset. I'll never forget what I heard come out of his mouth that night. When my dad went in there, he said, "Pastor, I can't feel God. I can't feel God, Pastor. I can't feel God. I've always been able to feel God. I know I'm not right, but I've been seeking Him and I can't find Him. I can't feel Him. Come on, how many know what it's like to feel God, the peace, the joy, the the, the touch of the Lord? I can't feel God." He went over and prayed and sought the Lord and sought the Lord in repentance. And finally, when he broke through, he could feel God again. I've never seen him since. But the thing that drove him to an altar was the absence of the presence of God. You don't know what it's like until you've been absent from the presence of God. And David in his prayer of repentance when he had an affair with Bathsheba and he killed her husband and he was trying to hide the sin and the prophet of God shows up, Nathan, and Nathan says, thou art the man, you have done that. thou art the man. When David stands there, when David hears that, David falls to his knees and he writes Psalms 51 and he says this, I acknowledge my sin. My transgressions are forever before me. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But he makes this statement that we better get a hold of. He said, cast me not away from thy presence. Cast me away I'm going to tell you there's one thing I don't want to ever wake up to I don't want to wake up and God's gone from me I don't want to wake up and I've been removed from peace and joy I don't want to wake up and the presence of God is distant from me and I can't find him pray and can't feel him try to repent and can't feel any sorrow Try try to get a hold of God and he's not there that's the wrath of God that's the judgment of God And I'm going to tell you what I feel here today. I've preached thousands of sermons since I've been in Zanesville. But God forbid you keep living in sin because you can feel him on Sunday. There will be a moment God can just in one moment withdraw his presence from you. You've never felt misery like you feel when you can't feel God. We ought to walk in every time we feel him and say thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what you've done for me. I don't want to walk on his goodness. I don't want to despise his greatness. If we're not careful, we'll walk over our own conscience knowing it's wrong. Say, I can't believe you're preaching this way. Well, this is what I feel. Walk over your own conscience to entertain yourself with a movie that you knew the Holy Ghost wouldn't let you watch. Illicit scenes and language and doctrines things that oppose everything you believe in your heart but if you do it long enough not only does the presence of God lift but the conscience becomes seared conscience becomes seared my brother, my brother has a calloused hand you know he, he worked in coal mines I got some calluses, but he everyday coal mines he could take a needle and shove right through his hand and through not one ounce of pain you know stick a at one point it hurt but it didn't hurt now because it's become callous. it's become seared and the word of God comes down and pricks. And you know deep down, hey, listen, I've pastored long enough, you know I'm not a mean preacher. I preach the love of God often. But that Bible is like a railroad track of the wrath of God and the love of God. There's heaven and there's hell. There's a mercy of God and there's the truth of God. The Bible says worship him in spirit and in truth. Next thing you know, we're playing games with God. I remember growing up, young people would say stuff like this. Well, let's just go ahead and do this and we'll repent of it on Sunday night. Ignoring the verse that says, if you sin willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice. Ignorant as a kid, but as an adult, just to think, well, I'll just go ahead and do it and pray later because God's just grace. We, we better be careful to quit mislabeling grace. I'm not so sure that we haven't called what we've mistaken as grace. We, It's really tolerance. Hey, listen, I'm not preaching to you. I'm not preaching to your neighbor. I'm preaching right to you. We've got to get something down. You can be seated. I think of that old time preacher. Uh, uh, you can sit down, Brother Tyler. Oh, oh, C.P. Kilgore. Just heard the story yesterday. I heard it years ago. But C.P. Kilgore, God would call to go preach in these communities where there was sin. How many other sin in our community? I'm telling you, I believe there's a judgment of God that could come on a life, it could come on an individual. It can. Curses and chaos and confusion because of sin. And God can allow things to happen to bring us back to him, to give us mercy and grace. And, and, and that's what the whole verse was written about in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7 when the Bible says, though I have shut the heavens and though I have the pestilence, but if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. He wasn't talking to Egypt, he was talking to Jews. Then will I hear from heaven, I will what? Forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Somebody's got to preach against sin. Amen. Just because you feel God when you're singing doesn't mean your heart's right with God. Even just because you feel God when you're praying doesn't mean everything's right with God. That's the forbearance. Everybody say forbearance Amen. and the long suffering of God. He said, but every man is going give give, to give account for his work, for his deed that he's done. See, P. Kilgore would go into a community where he would preach, and he would line up with his wife and, and his kids, and he'd play the Mandolin. I think she'd play the accordion. And they would sing on the street corners and he'd start preaching against to to sin. When he would, they throw tomatoes at him. I wonder how many of his preachers stay here. If people are throwing tomatoes at us. Throw tomatoes at him, but he'd keep on preaching what God told him to preach. And we would, guess what? There'd be so many converts that would repent of their sin that all the bars in town would shut down. Listen, I'm not trying to fill this building up. We want it to fill up multiple times, not with a crowd, but with converts. I love to see every bar in town shut down. Jail cell's empty. Come on. Come on, I still believe alcoholics can be delivered and drug addicts and drug dealers can be saved. I believe prostitutes can be delivered. I believe it. But somebody's got to love God. Somebody's got to believe. You can come out. It's not biblical truth to tell someone they can just keep living and sin and they're okay. They get your neighbor say, this is the truth. And C.P. Kilgore would go preach, and when he would, every town he'd go to, the bars would shut down and converts and old brush arbor and tent revivals. And said he went to one place, there were so many people standing in line to be baptized and, and that they went out to this lake. And when they got out to that, that lake, somebody said, we can't get baptized there. There's too many water moccasins in that. Snakes. He turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, I command every, every snake to leave this pond said they watched them surface to the top, swim in the opposite direction where they were, and leave the pond. And to this day, there has never been one snake sighting in that body of water. There is a historical marker that is there that marks it. Because when God's gonna save somebody, he's gonna make a way for them to be saved. He's gonna make a way for them to be delivered. He's gonna make a way for them to come out. You do not have to stay in sin. You can come out. Come on, how many believe God can pull you out? How many glad that God did pull you out? Amen. He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and hiss. I think we ought to all stand for a minute, clap our hands and thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say Amen. I haven't come to preach into hell. I haven't come to leave you in sin either. i come to tell you, you can deal with the wrath of God. You can deal with the judgment of God. How? One word. Repent. Repent. It's a turning point in your life. I remember when I did. You can be seated. I remember when I did. I turned from those things. And I turned my heart to the Lord. And I'm telling you what, he moved on me. Everybody say this, godly sorrow Worketh repentance. What does that mean? That means you feel sorry for what you've done. It's a godly sorrow. You can't truly be sorry for your sin unless God has given you a conscience to deal with that sin. Everybody say a conscience. The Bible said there'd be a generation, a generation that would come that they would commit abominations and not even blush because of generational consciences that become seared. But when God deals with a man or a woman, he starts stirring their heart about their life. Always. Everybody say, stir me, Lord. Stir up the gift. And all of a sudden, they start thinking, they start looking in the mirror, sort of, what am I doing? I don't want to live this life. What am I doing? Look at the path I've been walking. I don't want to live. I need to make some changes in my life. It's never an accident because the word always comes. Preachers always show up somehow and start preaching. When God's getting ready to bring revival to a city, He'll always send a preacher. And with this, going to come an atmosphere of conviction. Everybody say convictions. Let's talk about just for a minute what are convictions? Convictions are you can't eat your food until you ask God to bless it first. That's just a small conviction, but it's a conviction. You know, what one person did, they went to the grocery store and said, Lord, bless this food. Amen. They blessed their grocery buggy. You know, they didn't, then they didn't have to pray the rest of the day. The rest of the week, they just, they just dig in. Uh, maybe that works, I don't know. But when I was growing up, I was taught to give thanks. And when I'm sitting down, when I was going into middle school, and one of my biggest fears, maybe, is as a Christian, is I'm gonna be praying at the lunch table with all these new people. And what are they gonna say when I bow my head for prayer? Because I've always prayed over my food. Now, what am I gonna do in public? Because I felt like it would be an insult to God, not the prayer of my food. Anybody feel that way? It might seem minor to some, but just feel like you're supposed to give thanks. When you break bread, give thanks. And so I'm at the school, and you know, and, and you bow your head, and you don't have to pray real long in those moments. You just pray, amen. You, when I have my hat on, I take that off and pray, because the Bible says for a man to pray with his head covered. Just convictions. Convictions. If we're not careful, we turn the church into whatever we, we want it to be. And override our convictions. I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about praying over your food, I'm talking about moral convictions. If we're not careful, we override moral convictions. Next thing you know, you can lie real easy, you can commit adultery, commit sin, and it doesn't bother you anymore. Why? Because the conscience becomes seared. And instead of God letting you go, He allows things to happen that you have to confront the mistake, whether through a word or through something that he stirs you and he gives you his conscience. Everybody say God's conscience. I don't want my conscience to be right, uh, predicated by Hollywood. Can I get a witness from somebody or culture? I want my conscience to be from the book. Let God be true and every man a liar. People say, well, I know my heart. The heart's desperately wicked. But You can feel good about things that God hates. And what God will do in the moment to help somebody, he will send you a word, or he will stop the heavens. He will allow things to happen. So you come to your grip and say, what am I doing? I'll give you an example. Prodigal son ends up in the hog pen. No man gave to him. He's hungry, he's about to eat hog slop, and he was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. He starts thinking, what am I doing here? You know what that was? We call it the judgment of God, but the reality, it was the mercy of God. My dad used to preach this as well. I realize it's not popular and maybe we're a little uncomfortable here today. But my dad used to say, God, whatever you do, don't let me be lost in eternity. You got to grab me by the hair of my head and shake my feet over hell and let me feel the flames do it. But don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. God, get a hold of my heart. Renew my conscience again. Make me righteous again. Let my heart be turned to you again. Come on, I wish somebody would reach out to the Lord right now and say, oh God, don't let me be lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen. Anybody want to be right with the Lord? The Bible says he granted them repentance. Another verse says he gave them repentance. In Revelation 20 and 21, the most evil woman in history, the Bible says that he gave her a space. Everybody take two hands. Put it like that. Two hands. He gave her a space repent her name was Jezebel that meant there was a point in her life from point A to point B that something started turning over in her. And she thought I need to I can tell you when it happened it's when, it's when Elijah showed up in the, in the vineyard when, when a, Ahab had, had uh, uh, Naboth killed to steal his vineyard and that's when God, God showed up and gave them an opportunity through a preacher to repent <laughs> she didn't repent she kept on the way she was going and the judgment came to her I'm going to tell you, because I feel it of the Lord. Sins will be judged. But you don't have to be judged. You can bury them at an altar of forgiveness. Every service you come, there ought to be something when you're putting your suit on. Search me, oh God. Is there anything in me that's not right? Do you know the Bible says judgment begins without? This is the quietest service I've ever preached in five years. Search me, oh God. Is there anything in me? I do this as a preacher. When I go to a meeting or somebody's preaching here, search me. God, don't let me be deceived. Is there anything in me that's not pleasing to you? Anybody think that way? If you don't think the way, you should. Because deception can come. Everybody say, here a little and there a little not the preacher's job to make you feel good about your chaos. It's the preacher's job to lead you to the place that God's calling you to be. And it's a place of holiness and righteousness with him. I'm going to tell you what comes with that peace and joy. I mean, no, there's nothing like living for God and knowing your heart's right with the Lord. Amen. Sister Carolyn, I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching this, because the Lord revealed to me that there's people that are coming to the church that feel like God's mad at them what the Lord showed me. There's some people that feel like God is angry with them and what the Lord told me that you can deal with that and here's how to deal with it. Turn your heart to him and repent and you're wanting to you just don't know if you're good enough to receive forgiveness. Can I tell you Calvary paid a way for you to be forgiven and to be removed from any wrath to come. <laughs> Calvary paid a way. I said it paved away. Somebody say it paved away. way. I want you to lift your hands all over the building and ask God to forgive you. Everybody in the building. Everybody in the building. Hallelujah. Oh God, let there be repentance. Call us again, renew us again into repentance. Come on, somebody call out to the Lord. Come on, some saint of God, call out to the Lord again and say, Lord, renew me again into repentance. Let my heart be right. That my spirit be made new. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's me again, God. I messed up again, God. It's me again, God. This sort of was the story of the prophet Gad that went and prophesied to Eli. He said, there's sin in your house. Stop it. Everybody say sin in the house. He said, I want you to stop it. but They didn't. He allowed things in his home that he condemned in his heart. So God sent the prophet again. Told you to get rid of the sin that's in your house. And he didn't. And he prophesied. He said, God's gonna raise up a faithful priest in your stead that's gonna do what he wanted you to do. There are things that God cannot and will not tolerate after a period of time. God has a replacement policy. He's not going to forfeit His will for disobedience to His way. Do you believe that? My, I feel something in the, bu- in the building today. There's all of a sudden that God tells the prophet, He's not listening. Just leave Him alone. I I plead and cry and seek God over the church and over the years. I have just begged God when God was in indignation the children of Israel building the golden calf. I'm so uncomfortable preaching right now. Are y'all uncomfortable? I really am. I really am. But repentance shouldn't make us uncomfortable. It ought to draw us to Him. You realize that's, that's the foundation of our faith is that we can turn from things. The Bible says that when they built a golden calf, that the indignation of the Lord waxed hot against them. And God thought to kill them. And when he did, Moses cried out, No, God, don't, 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 God. God, I plead with you. Don't, Don't bring the wrath, oh, God. That's how I feel when I'm praying over this city. God, don't bring judgment to this angel yet. Bring a revival. Lord, I know there's been chaos and confusion and immorality and things that aren't right, but God, before before you let judgment come, would you let there be an opportunity for people to repent, to turn from that sin, to turn from that way. Oh God, I know you love them. That's how he operates. He loves you enough to send you his word. And if you obey his word, the wrath is removed. Judgment, come on, I think we ought to stand and thank God for his word. Thank God for his way. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. We can do parallels, biblical parallels. Remain standing. We can do biblical parallels all day long. But the fact of the matter is, he sends you a word so you can turn away from your sin. You don't have to do it in this building. You can do it in your bedroom. You say, God, I don't want sin in my life anymore. How I many believe in the wrath of God The judgment of God. How many's ever felt the fear of the Lord? Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them my wrath is coming. Go tell them my wrath. He didn't want to do it. God prepared a fish for him. Go tell them my judgment's coming to that nation, Nineveh. Finally, after a long detour. In the belly of that fish, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him. I'm gonna tell you, some of you, I know what I feel as your pastor. There are people that are here. There are some people that are gonna come. They feel that God is against them. God's really not against you. You Might be upset with your ways, but he's leading a path for you to come to exactly where he wants you to be in him. And there's some people that's even watching today that your hearts went away from the Lord. And You prayed God would send conviction to you again. And you prayed and asked God to let you feel bad for the things you were doing because you couldn't find repentance, you couldn't find conviction. And I come to preach you that that conviction you're feeling coming over you right now is to turn your heart toward the Lord, not away from Him. He's not casting you away. He's drawing you to Him again. So that purity that you used to feel would be renewed in you because He's not done with you. He's calling you to a greater place in Him it's called forgiveness how I many know he forgives and forgives somebody say amen he preached a nine word sermon and 180,000 people repented God told Jonah he said now go back and tell them my judgment's not going to come tell them I've forgiven them I've removed judgment from their life how many has ever felt like the wrath of God was against you would you raise your hand how many has ever felt like you'd done wrong and things were coming at your life and it drove you to him And you got on your knees and cried by the reason of your affliction. And Psalms 34 says, and he heard me. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to pray fancy to get God's attention. You just pray. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't want it. I'm going to tell you what else I feel in the building. Just just indulge me. Because there is a moment that God removes the thought. Even the burden from a person because they chose to walk all over his grace, his goodness and mercy to do what they want to do. No matter how many people, no matter how many people God puts in their life. And there is a day that God tells the prophet, just leave him alone and let him do what he wants to do. Do you want to get to that place? Romans 1 records that. The word for that is reprobate. It's when God turns you over to yourself with no conscience and you live your life out of the desires of your heart which are nothing but hideous things that are from your flesh. How many know your flesh is your problem? I think we ought to pray right now all over the building. I think all over this building. God, I don't want one day that you've been good to me to be taken away.
1: I don't want to override
0: my conviction, my conscience anymore. Today I'm praying for repentance. I'm asking you, God, to give me repentance. Let me feel about things the way you do. Let me care about things the way you care. I don't want to have what well, this used to bother me. That used to bother. God, I want my conscience to be made tender again. Hallelujah. Come on. Just keep walking toward the Lord. You knew it was wrong when you said it. You knew it was wrong when you did it. But do you feel bad for it? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say this and I close. Probably the scariest thing that John I've ever had told me as a preacher. I've had a very few to tell me, but I've had a few tell me. This is what they say. Your preaching doesn't bother me anymore. But Luke, you're doing this and God's doing so much in you. Can't imagine some point that because you love coming to church, but somebody that came, they said, I used to cry when you'd preach. I'd sit in my seat in a well so moved by the Word. They said, I can't feel anything now. I haven't cried in a long time. Your preaching doesn't move me. Same preacher, same anointing, same message. No emotion toward it. Why? The hardening of the heart. The searing of the conscience. Because the Bible says the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. It pierces in to where you are. and reveals what you need to change. Could I say the greatest preacher you've ever heard is your conscience. Don't override it. For God gave it as a gift called godly sorrow to say no to this. Come on, how many's ever had a word, a conversation leave your mouth and you're like, I shouldn't have said that? Come on, be honest with me. Don't you know, let me up here by myself. How many's ever done something, watched something, heard something, went somewhere and something troubled you? It's a gift. And it's that gift that allows you to remove yourself from the wrath of God. I'm telling you, he has a people and it's a church. And you know what the church, the word church means? It means ecclesia, which means brought out. You do not have to remain in. You can be brought out. Somebody say amen. Jesus said twice in Luke 13 and 3 and 5, this is what he said. He said, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Turn around, two verses later it said the same thing. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And to think that somebody all they had to do was turn around and say, I'm sorry. I don't want to live that way no more. I come to tell you today, there's a a conscience renewing service here and we call it an old fashioned revival. That's what we call it. There's a conscience renewing in this building. How many believe God can renew your conscience if you'll respond to his word? Hallelujah. I want the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart to be acceptable. Now you can pray where you want to. But I've done what God's told me to do, and I'm asking everybody in the building to find a place somewhere, the altar, your seat, wherever. But I think you need to get on your knees and start asking God. Search me. Is there anything in me? Come on, an old-fashioned service today. I'm getting renewed in the Lord. I don't want anything. Is there anything about me you would change? Hallelujah. Come on, the Lord's doing it. God, I don't want to lose my conviction. I don't want to lose my conscience.